I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. Here's a question for you. Have you ever lost your dog? As in, it's gone missing. Jim? Yes. Well, you know, I have Maltese and little Maltese sometimes run away and then get really scary because, you know, they're small, they can sneak out under fences, they're very agile, and sometimes they like their freedom. What about you? My dog's not quite a small, um, but one that we had previously, yeah, it disappeared, and it was the worst feeling. So what do you do when that happens? Well, what I do is I start to try to think like my dog. (laughs) So, okay, so what are the things that she looked at when I was on a walk with her. Uh, oh, yeah, the dried snails. I'm going to go look for the dried snails. Or once, many years ago, I had a Maltese who was really interested in railroad tracks. And, of course, I never let her go there. But when she got out, she was found on the railroad tracks. And it was fun to coax her underneath the fence. Very smart. Think like the dog. What, though, if you came up empty? Would you think about calling a pet detective? Of course. I would do anything to get my dog back. And... That's exactly what we are going to talk about on today's show. And boy, do we have a pet detective who has lots of interesting stories. Mm-hmm. And we'll also have our latest podcast, Discovery, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter with some experts in the game. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey Pepper, want to go for a walk? Well, I guess we're starting off today with a love story. And it's a love story that all dog lovers have and will be familiar with. But it's also one that for all of us has a sad ending. It is a love story with a sad ending. You're right, Caro. It's been a really tough couple of weeks for Molly and myself because, um, and for our dog, Kanga, because our other dog, Kanga's sister, Rue, has gone to doggy heaven. Rue was sick for a while with a host of things. Uh, Last year was basically a year when we focused on quality of life and hospice care. So Rue had lots of great food and supplements and extra time rolling around in the grass outside. That's her favorite thing was to roll around in the grass and just to rub her belly and rub the side of her body against the hill. So anyway, Rue is no longer part of our pack. I'm so, so, so sorry, Jim. Um, I know it's something as dog lovers that we all go through at some point doesn't make it any better, but it's a really good thing to be able to talk about it. So we thought this episode that we would do just that. It is because, you know, grieving is difficult, but it's part of the healing process. And as dog lovers, hopefully we will all outlive our dogs Hmm. and it's inevitable that we're going to have to do this at one point or another. And because our dogs just don't live as long. There's definitely a, what I call a roux-shaped hole in my heart. Mm-hmm. I miss her barks and, you know, at mealtimes, putting down just one bowl instead of two is difficult, but we're getting through it. That's good to hear. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute, but when you're grieving, sometimes it's not the experts that you need to help you through. It's actually just other people who've mm-hmm. been there who can share their experience so that you don't feel quite so alone. 
when you have a dog and you explain to someone that your dog passed, they do not get it. They're like, it's a dog. And I'm like, well, get a dog and then you'll get it. You'll understand that that's your child, that you literally are breathing. It's like you birth them out. That was Lori Levine. She is a New York business owner, but moreover, she is a regular person who understands what it means to grieve the loss of a dog. I spoke with her earlier this year about losing her three older dogs, one after another in very quick succession. It was a really special chat that stayed with me, and that conversation helped me a lot as I'm going through this process with Rue right now. That's really good to hear. It was a beautiful conversation, even though the topic was really difficult. And I remember she spoke about the difficulty of making that final decision to put the dogs down, which you've just had to do with Rue. Jim, what was that experience like for you? You know, we, we wrap it up in euphemisms all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to put my dog to sleep or help her cross the rainbow bridge or escort her to doggy heaven. But the process... I mean, it's euthanasia. Let's just call it what it is. It's yeah. euthanasia. And as someone who's, I don't know, philosophical and introspective in college, I studied philosophy. It's kind of challenging because the notion of choosing the time and date of that appointment is surreal. Like 1030 tomorrow. That that sounds good. Yeah, okay, I'll be there. Hmm. Yeah. But I take comfort in many of the conversations that I've had with veterinarians over the years who basically say, you know, it's better to do it an hour early or a day early than an hour too late or a day too late. And we as dog people have an obligation. We have an opportunity to help our dogs by preventing suffering and to focus on their quality of life. And in this case of Rue, that's what Molly and I did. It's just hard and the grieving process is so hard. But, you know, I took a lot of solace from what Lori Levine had told me when she talked about what she did in terms of the rituals of the process. Mm. It's those things that can really bring a sense of calm and maybe even closure. Here she is when she talks about how they lost Casey, which was the second of their three dogs who died last year. I had laid out a sheet for her. We covered her in rose petals and then we put her favorite bone uh, near her. She couldn't eat it, but she could smell her bone, you know, with the one with the marrow inside. She never really chomped on it, but she just could kind of lick at it. So we put that in with her. And then we all for hours just laid with her and said goodbye. And then, you know, they, you know, that started at nine in the morning. And then the people from Final Journey who were so respectful came at 2 p.m. And then they came and, you know, we played Warren Zevon and then we lowered the lights and it wasn't until they gave her the sedative that we saw Casey finally relax for the first time. Her muscles in her, you know, her upper body relaxed a little. And we said, oh, okay, she's not in pain anymore. And then we did the same thing we always did. We all held a paw. I looked into her eyes. We said goodbye. And then we covered her with a sheet like Cleopatra in her shroud. It's, it's a sad part of that story. But what Laurie describes there is also beautiful in many ways for her and the family and for Casey in her final moments. But it's not always that easy to be there in the end. And I know not everyone can do that, right, Jim? That is, that is true. Uh, you know, because right now I didn't end up going to the veterinarian because, well, because of Kanga, our other dog, who is the most sensitive 
dog. She watches television. She sees a gun. She gets very, she just totally picks up vibes and is super, super sensitive. And there's no way that we could do what Laurie was able to do with Casey because at home euthanasia just would not have been an option because Kanga would have known what was going on and mm. that would have just been incredibly disturbing. So I um, stayed at home and comforted Kanga and kind of allowed the space for Kanga to be Kanga and to explore what this all was going to be like without having Rue around. And and Molly went to the vet with Rue. It's a big decision, but you did the right thing for Kanga. Let's talk about her. It's not just people who grieve the loss of dogs. Of course, we know that. How's Kanga now that Rue has gone? <laughs> well, Kanga is grieving in her own way. She, you know, I, I said Rue really liked to rub herself on the side of hills and and really enjoyed the grass. Kanga is more of a beach person. But Kanga has all of a sudden started picking up this interest in grass, especially the area that Rue used to lay in and roll around oh, in. Wow. And that is just a unique thing that I haven't seen Kanga do before. So... Again, she has her own grieving process. She's not eating. She needs a little more coaxing and to be reassured because, mm -hmm. she, as I said, she's sensitive. But she is definitely grieving. It's so obvious to me. Wow. That's actually quite beautiful. It's like she's embodying bits of rue, so you kind of get a bit of both of them. <laughs> she's like, I'll rub, I'll rub the grass for you, rue. <laughs> I'll smell like rue. I'll smell like rue if I do this. Um, everyone mourns loss in their own way, and that's whether it's for people or for dogs. But for some, we know it, it helps to bring in a new dog into the house pretty soon after the last. Others need to wait for a while. Obviously, you do have Kanga as well. But what about you and Molly? Have you had that conversation? No, not yet. We haven't talked about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, this whole process with Rue is really interesting because so much of my life and this whole idea of dealing with dog death is just so inextricably connected to what I do here at Dog Podcast Network and in my other businesses where, you know, we focus on dogs with cancer and we have communities where people are talking about the inevitable. And we hear those stories all the time, but when it really affects home, it really resonates. You understand the loss on a whole new level. So I live it and breathe it every day at work, but I feel it even especially more now with, with Rue's loss. But Laurie did a really good job of summing it up on what it means. Like you've got a dog for life, their life, not your life, their life, the whole thing from beginning to end. Coming up, we'll have more on losing dogs, but this time in the very literal sense. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. 
It infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, I can feel it. Ever pup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition, and it's over to Pamela Lawrence, Pepper, and Jim for this next investigative story. Let's imagine for a moment that my dog Pepper went missing. I'm panicked. I'm not thinking straight. I need help. I call Jamie Katz, a licensed private investigator who specializes in finding missing pets. Here's how that first conversation would go. How old is Pepper? He's uh, nine. Okay. And is Pepper neutered? Yes. Okay. And what kind of dog is he? He's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. All right. And, uh, okay, how much does he weigh? Oh, close to 20 pounds. Okay. And is this the first time that Pepper's gone missing? Yes. Okay. Has he ever wandered off even for five minutes before? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. What, how long, what's the longest that he's wandered off before he's come back himself? Just a couple of minutes. Okay. Have you ever had a neighbor bring him back to you? No. No. The neighbor never called and said, hey, I think I see your dog? Yeah. <laughs> they have. <laughs> okay, see? And so this is why I ask the questions the way I do, though, because you don't think of certain things like, has anybody ever found your dog? No. Has anybody ever called to say, hey, I see your dog? Go ahead. Tell me what happened. So I told her the rest of the story, and she asked a lot more questions about Pepper's habits and personality. After profiling the case, Jamie determined that what she calls an off-location awareness campaign would be the best course of action to find Pepper. The way that works is that I make you a sign. It's an 11 by 17. It's colored, laminated, weatherproof, waterproof. Jamie would map out exactly where to put the signs for maximum exposure. She has clients all over the country. It's not something she has to be local to do. You hang the signs exactly as she instructs you to. And the way that I map it, I'm going to make it so that it's impossible for anybody to come into a certain mile radius of where their pet went missing from and not have to see a sign. And if a case profile calls for more than the awareness campaign and you're in or around the Florida area where Jamie is based out of, she puts her scent-specific tracking dogs to work. She has two of them. So what does that mean? Ah, okay, good question. So that means that she'll bring the dogs in if it's a more complicated or complex case where a scent-specific dog would come in handy and be able to then follow uh, follow a track. Like, say maybe your dog is just sort of lost in the neighborhood, not something that it's maybe not a situation where somebody snatched your dog, put it in a car, and drove off. Although in that case, a scent-specific dog might be able to lead you to a point where the trail ends. The scent I give to them is the only scent they're going to follow. I start um, cases with the scent article of that pet. So that, that means it needs to be 100% 
only that pet. So a scent object for the pet, I guess that would be like the pet's bed or his favorite toy? Yeah, something like that. But it has to be something that only that dog touched. If you touched it or another pet in the household touched it, it's going to throw her scent-specific tracking dogs off. So it gets a little hard. You have I was going to say, like, even if I, so if I pick up the, if I only have one dog and I pick up its bed and give it to her, then I have now tainted damaged the integrity of the scent. So what is a possible scent-related thing that only a dog would have? Maybe they've, maybe they have a favorite blanket. Maybe they have a favorite toy. But you can't touch it. Well, you can pick it up with a a bag, like you pick up the poop. <laughs> I think, okay, so this could be like a whole, like a, really the FBI coming in and, and, and using tweezers and putting it in an evidence bag. Yes, yes. Remember, she is Hopefully, a licensed okay. private investigator. There's a method to Ace Ventura's madness. Yes, yes. And rules to follow, a procedure. There's a procedure to follow. Um, Now, remember, this was all made up as an example. Pepper is completely fine. He's sitting right here next to me. Yeah, he's fine. He does get out occasionally. But Jamie shared the details of a real case she recently solved. Jim, do you want to you want to tell the story? You want to take it from here? Well, it all began with a phone call from a woman who had just spent three months in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and was now back home in Portland, Oregon. She hired a transport company to transport her dog from Fort Lauderdale back to Portland, Oregon. It was the same company the woman had used to bring her dog from Oregon to Florida in the first place. A company uses and allows third-party drivers to bid for jobs. The winning bidder was only $575, which is kind of crazy because that doesn't even that wouldn't cover gas. So you would think something in that kind of situation, it would be somebody who, you know, is transporting multiple things, multiple items, whatever the case is, because you have to make money and that 575 is not going to make money. The woman had spent $900 to bring the dog from Portland to Florida in the first place. So 575 seemed like a low number and that was a red flag for Jamie. He picked up at 9 a.m. Saturday. He was going to be in Portland, Oregon by 2 p.m. on Tuesday. He wanted the money up front. She gave it to him. She gave him $575. She took a picture of his license. She took a picture of his car and his license plate. Thank God. Because if not, that you, we would have had nothing. Early Sunday, the woman texted the driver for an update. And he said, well, I just picked up another puppy, uh, another pit bull puppy, and they get along great. And he sent a photo of both dogs. She was a little suspicious and pressed for more information. And then he stopped responding. And then finally, she got a text from him Sunday night. And it said, I lost my phone while walking the dogs. It's been a crazy, crazy day. The weather's horrible, and I had to get an iPad. He said, I will call you in a half an hour from another phone. He has to get a phone. He said, I'm in Missouri. Guess what? He never called again. Monday went by, never called. Uh, Tuesday went by. So she called me on day six of him 
you know, completely gone. And when she called me, I swear I was like, oh my God, I'm like, how am I gonna help this girl? I, I like this dog could be literally anywhere from Fort Lauderdale to Portland, Oregon. This is crazy. My thoughts were, I have to find this person, but in order for me to find this person, I have to be able to, you know, find somebody who knows him or who's related to him. If I just call you and say, hi, this is private investigator Jamie Katz, you know, you're likely to hang up on me. So we do the background and um, this guy's he's just like a gypsy, like a drifter, like, I mean, he's got a million phone numbers. He has a million addresses. He's lived everywhere. Just there's so much under him and there, you know, it's okay. Well, let, let's just start. Jamie called the numbers. No luck. She turned to social media. I, he's not on Facebook. He's, you know, he's not anywhere on social media and he, he's got a background. You know, he's got, uh, he's got felonies, stuff like that. So Jamie started sending messages to people she thought might know him or be related to him. Somebody texts back and it says, yes, that's my brother. And I'm not surprised that he did this to you because I get calls, I get emails, I get messages from around the country about things that he's done wrong and who and who's he scamming this time and what trouble he's in. And so that was just, ugh, that was one of those. <sighs> the sister had not spoken to her brother in years, but she loved dogs and sympathized with Jamie's client. She agreed to help. She would send an email to her brother. Within a few hours, she wrote back and she said, okay, he responded. And he's in North Carolina. And he said the dog is fine. He has the dog. The dog's okay. This was incredible and surprising news because Jamie thought the dog, who was a five-month-old puppy, would have been sold by this point. Now I'm thinking, well, how do we really know he has the dog? So I asked the sister, can you please ask him to take a pen and paper and write, I'm okay, I'm safe, and hold it up in front of the dog and take a photo. Within 10 minutes, she sent the photo. I'm like, with the dog. I'm like, oh my God, the dog's alive. Oh my God. This is real gumshoe detective work. He also wrote a lengthy explanation of what had happened. Uh, not avoiding you. In absolute hell. Sister emailed me. Kodak is good. Have broke down. Been assaulted. And the phone stolen. Called 911. I'm sorry. Can't log in to the pet Have site. not had your I've number. I'm driving back to you because I remember where that I'm sorry. is. sorry. I'm not a pet napper. Believe me. Sorry. It's returned to sender. Believe Laugh out me. loud. It's been an effing nightmare. Have enough for another tank of gas. So there's an explanation for what's been going on, but Jamie is not impressed. She sends a message imploring the guy to pull over, stop, find a police station, find a fire station, anything to, to, to make sure that Kodak is in fact safe. Within, I want to say 15 minutes of that, I got a phone call from a 24 hour vet and they said, this guy just came in. He, and he left this dog here and gave me, these phone number and I was like oh my God. I'm like I cannot believe it 
I cannot believe he did it. He did it. He pulled over. He went to a vet. I don't care what it was. He did it. Then Kodak's owner flew to North Carolina to be reunited with her dog. Case closed. A happy ending. Done and over. Crazy, crazy, crazy case. That just happened. So We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Well, our mission to find new and entertaining dog-loving podcasters and YouTubers has uncovered yet another great guest. And in this episode, we're sharing a snippet of Jim's recent live-streamed conversation on Dog Lovers Live with Colin Funkhauser. Colin and Megan host Pet Sitter Confessional, and that is a podcast by pet sitters for pet sitters. They have a decade of experience looking after other people's pets. And on their podcast, they speak to guests about the ins and outs of pet sitting. But here is a little of Colin's chat with me. What's the genesis of the name Pet Sitter Confessional? Because it starts with this wonderful church music, like you're going in for a confession. Yes. The, the idea came from trying to tell the untold stories of being a pet sitter. And it does kind of have those comp- that, that uh, connotation of the salacious or things like that. But we, we intentionally do try and stay away from that because we don't want to be bashing anybody or talking bad about clients or going down these negativity. It's more giving people a window into the life of a pet sitter. It's these are things that you didn't know. And why didn't you know about it? Well, because not a lot of people talk about it. And it's a way to get other people's voices out there as well to have more people contributing to the community. And is this show, it's really not aimed at anyone except pet sitters or people who want to get into the pet sitting biz. Right. Now, we have had pet owners listen, and we've recommended a few shows to pet owners before. But it really Mm -hmm. is focused on pet sitters. So we say, you know, it's by pet sitters for pet sitters because pet sitting can be kind of lonely. We spend all of our days with animals, which we all love, right? That's why we get into the business. But you can feel disconnected from people and not really like you have a strong community. And that's one thing that my wife and I were feeling seven years into our journey as pet sitters. And so we figured this would be a really neat opportunity to get connected and just hear from more people. You know, I I'd never heard of a, never talked to a pet sitter in Australia before. And I've gotten to do that several times now and feel it's like, wow, like you were literally on the other side of the globe from me. And we still have these same fears, these same anxieties. We still have these same experiences. And so it's really been a great way to get connected with others. What are some of the topics that you cover that you couldn't have imagined doing a show on it, but it turned out to be a pretty good show? Yeah. One of the things that we talk a lot about has been about mindset and self-care from Megan's and my perspective. We never thought that that would have such a connection with people because, again, it's not something that's talked a lot about. It's especially in the pet care community of like, I've got to be busy. I've got to work 14 hour days, 365 days a year, and I can't have any boundaries in my life or I can't say no to anybody. 
And so that's been something that's been really good for us to talk about where when we started to put episodes out like that or have topics about boundaries, those get a really good reception from others because they can connect with that. They can connect with that struggle. They can connect with that real need that they see uh, and that desire that they have in their business to run it a little bit differently than they may have in the past. So you and your wife started this whole business, as I gathered by doing some research, that you went to like a Dave Ramsey lecture about making some extra money. Yeah. So my wife and I had been married all of like four months and we were at graduate school down in Texas and we're trying to figure out how to do life together. And we went to this Dave Ramsey class about finances and how to get your finances in order and understand how things are going. And he kind of challenged people to both cut out unnecessary expenses, but try and earn extra money so that you can you know, make things balance out. Well, my wife and I challenged each other to brainstorm some ideas of ways that we could do that. My idea was to open up an aquarium cleaning and construction business on the side. And Megan's idea was to become pet sitters. I'm not going to say which one was more successful, but we recently made the shift to making this our full-time business. And that was mostly because we looked at the opportunity. We'd been doing this almost 10 years. We had grown a massive client base here after only being in this new location for three years now and said, this is what we can do. We can make this full-time and actually expand if I were to come in because Megan ran the business on the side and then I had my day job and we kind of tag teamed it. But we're able to come together and go, oh, this is actually something that we can do full-time together. And you can watch Jim's full dog lovers live stream with pet sitter confessionals Colin Funkhauser as part of our stream series at dogloverslive.com. Well, that is all for today's episode. I want to thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. And don't forget, you can hear Jim's extended conversations on DPN's sister show, The Long Leash. Jim, who's your guest this week? She is the master of unruly pups, and she's the star of the TV series, It's Me or the Dog. Join me for a fascinating conversation with English author, TV presenter, and expert dog trainer, Victoria Stilwell. And on the next episode of Dog Edition, the pilot whose rescue transport flights have brought more than 15,000 pets to their forever homes. You can listen to all of our shows on our website at dogedition.com. And when you go there, there is a little blue button at the bottom right of every episode page where you can leave us a voicemail and share your story ideas with us. Who knows? We may work one of those into a future episode. And if you are a podcaster or a storyteller or a journalist or anyone who can tell a great story and voice it, We'd love to hear from you because we have a contest. It's called 101 Dog Stories, and we are looking to buy great stories about dogs from all over the world. You can find out details on that on our website at dogpodcastnetwork.com slash 101. And don't forget, follow Dog Edition in whatever podcast app you use to listen, and please leave us a review. It'll help us bring you more great dog stories. I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm James Jacobson. Again, thank you for listening today and hitting that play button. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? 
Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs> 